Hi, my name is Steve Davis. An ex-Burnley teammate of mine, Lenny John Rose, is suffering from MND. Please let's raise awareness and funds and help Lenny in his fight against this terrible disease. Please check out hashtag IceFoot92. You can donate £10 by texting MNDLEN to 70085 or donate at his Just Giving page. Are you brave enough to take on the hashtag IceFoot92 challenge? Good luck and thanks for listening. So welcome to um, My Best 11 podcast. This week we are joined by a player who born in Sierra Leone um, and came over to London as a youngster and spent time at Leighton Orient, then really had his big break at Sheffield Wednesday, then went on to become a bit of a legend from what I understand at Forest, um, then played for Charlton, Ipswich, bit of time at Apo and Nicosia, um, and then a little bit of time in Malta. Um, and is currently out in the States um, as a talent identifier um, working on the East Coast in, um, in the US. Today we are joined by Chris Bart-Williams. How are you, Chris? Great, thank you. How are you doing? Good, good. And Marv, how are you, sir? I'm good, Andrew. I'm good. I'm excited to, um, for this episode. Um, a fellow um, ex-player on my shores as well in the US, which is great. On the same timeline, so Bartman and myself, 7.30 in the morning, you, Andrew, 9.30 at night, so, I mean, it should be a very the interesting... What, the modern world, the modern yeah. world. <laughs> you got to love it. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic, fantastic. So those people who haven't listened before to My Best Eleven, what we like to do is Chris will go through the best players he's ever, he's ever set foot on a pitch with. Um, and as we go through... Chris will give us a few clues and a few honourable mentions, I'm sure, as well, uh, before we work out the exact starting 11 that he is going to pick. We always like to start off with formation. Um, obviously, you spent a little bit of time, obviously, coming through in the era of 4-4-2. So it'll be very interesting um, what you've gone for, Chris. So I've actually gone for the old uh, diamond the 442 like diamond. It. Love it already. Love it already. Love it already. See? <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> controversial my, my, my system for sure. <laughs> is that what you is that what you played most your career with? No, actually. Um we played it most the most I played the diamond was at Forest um under Paul Hart. Um he really loved the diamond. And I've got to be honest, it was actually one of my favorite um systems because it allowed a lot of movement off the ball. And you had to be technically very, very smart and courageous to play it um, because the system is you're very vulnerable defensively um, when you turn the ball over. But offensively, if you get it right, it's um, it's very difficult to play against. Oh, definitely. Where, where would you say you fitted in? I if didn't want to play for If you would not, but if most people haven't put their heads in. So, but if you were to play in a diamond, where would you play in that diamond? Uh, so I would either play the holding or the attacking. Never much of a runner on the outside, then. You you preferred to I, be... I did not box have box. the to play... Andrew, 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 Andrew <laughs> he's, listen, 
he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a ball player. He's a, he's a creative or like he was technically very, very good. So, you, I mean, no disrespect to the the wide people, the people on the outside of the diamond. You, you're not, you're not going to want someone like the Batman playing on those like positions because you want to have him on the ball, in my opinion. So yeah. either the holding or the, the, the 10, as they call it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll get straight in. And as we go through, I'm sure we'll hear some stories. So we'll start off with goalkeepers. Um, and like I said, if you if you want some honourable mentions, please feel free as well. <laughs> um, if you don't annoy anybody in case they listen to this. <laughs> oh, I'm actually going to piss people off. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> For goalkeeper. Um, it's so actually goalkeepers were who? Sorry? Well, definitely Dave Pearson, Mark Crossley. Uh, no, they were they were fantastic. But my my number one was actually England's number one. Oh, well, they can't grumble that then, can they? So I'm England number one. Yes. You got it, Andrew. I think so. Really. Well, then dive in. Then dive in. Was he born over your where you're living now? No, I don't believe so. No. Did you not play with Chris Woods? I'm only joking. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say in a minute. I said it was going to be controversial. I told you. <laughs> Chris Woods. So you, Chris. so you rank Chris Woods that highly? He was He was, He was. was special. You know, every goalkeeper has their moments. Don't get me wrong, but Woods, he was very special. In what way, Bart? In what, in, elaborate. What, what? He, you know, he was, his, his mannerisms, he was like this... Not a gentleman, but he was very soft-spoken, had a warm heart, warm smile on his face, trained hard. Um, but when he, when he, when he, when he was, he was a competitor though. But you wouldn't look at him on his first impression. But he was definitely a competitor. So he would get really, really antsy and upset when he wasn't protected enough. Um, like I said, he, he made mistakes, but he, he owned them. You know, he he put his hands up when it was on him. But I just loved his. Um, his mannerisms and his dedication effort effort. But I I to be honest, I did play some really good goalkeepers, but Woodsy was the one that stood out the most to me. Yeah, because he, he became a bit of a fall guy, I remember, in the particularly in the early nineties, between when England were moving from Shilton to Seaman. He became a bit of a fall guy, didn't he, in that particularly that yeah. failed um ninety four campaign. How was he how, were you at the club then and how did he take it? Um I came ninety five, I think I was a bit after yeah. that. Oh, sorry, 92. Yeah, so I was, yeah. So it's funny because you would never know he's under pressure because of how he carried himself. Um, and I think um, very good pros can do that, which is they can discern the garbage from the actuality. And when you train with someone on a daily basis, you do see the, how they deal with success, adversity, um, and the way he dealt with it was superb. Yeah. Would you say he was crazy, goalkeeper, or one of these things? Because they're one or the other. They, they, they are absolutely crazy. They are. There's no getting around it. Um, and is Chris Woods crazy? They all are. He's definitely crazy. But you know what? I find the goalkeepers, work, not only are they crazy, but they, they will throw their entire body at things that field players have no interest in doing. Uh, <laughs> we just have no interest. But it was, I can put it, it was just that level of courage um, in key moments that I think separates them. You know, that can make the big save when you when you really need that big save. And he had that ability to, to do that. Yeah. And he can love to come through for crosses as well. That's generally how I judge a keeper. Are yeah. they scared to come out? Are they scared to just go through six foot five defenders? 
and no care. That's a fair point. Absolutely. So, excellent. So, he's one of those. So, moving on then to right back, left back. Probably go right back to start off with number two. Left back is, a, um, let's just admit this. He also played for England and rightly made himself a, 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 a starter throughout his time as, a, as an England player. And he's known for being very physical. Did you just tell us who it was there? Nope. Oh, okay. I, no. thought you said, I thought you said righty. I don't know. I no, no, no. no, rightly. Oh, rightly. okay. All right. See, it, I told you it's early, but it's early. It's early. <laughs> <laughs> what was the age gap between you two, Mars? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I've got this already as well. Feel free. Did he miss a penalty and then six years later make up for it? Yes, In the World Cup and then made it up for it in Euro 96. So you played with Stuart Psycho, as his nickname was, Pierce. Correct. Uh, Left back. What was he like to... What was he like around dressing room? uh, I've spoken to a few people who said he was actually a lot quieter than you'd think. You can say I no. Would say he is, when he, no, no, he's he wears his heart on his sleeve, um, but he's quiet. But it's impactful when he speaks. It's impactful. Um, I wouldn't say. I think I can safely say I, I, I got the sense that I wasn't one of his favorite players. Um, but as teammates, you don't have to beat like someone or someone's personality. So right. we were complete opposites, where he's quiet and observant. I am observant, but have a big personality and loud. So people like Kevin Campbell, um, those kind of players, we, 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 we get on. Um, Piercy was a very thoughtful, analytical um, man, but he's also super, super aggressive. Um, so it's just a personality thing, but I have to respect the fact that he started, in my opinion, watch, watching him, he wasn't necessarily the best defender when he started, but when you play for your country, you will become a very good defender because you just don't get away with bad defending at yeah. a national, national level. So I think he was brilliant for adjusting his game as to when to go on his butt and when to stay on, stay on his feet. So, um, but playing with him, I mean, he, he was mentally a very strong man. I mean, so he demanded others to be equally as strong um, and, and unless you figure that out at the time it's hard to deal with because you think that he just doesn't like you but if you can show that courage then you're going to be fine with Piercy so I think it's just a case of being self-aware of how to manage him and um, I realise that you might not get on but you can still be respected as teammates and but was it was it, was it Clough who signed you? Was it no it's Frank Clough no it's Frank Clough oh, so, okay because I'm going to I'm what was interesting? Say, oh, well, oh, sorry. It was so when I was at Orient, um, I, I found that found this out years later. So I was at Orient, I got into the Orient first team, and we had a midweek game, and I had a crap game. Oh my goodness, I was six, 16 still, 16, 16 or seven. Yeah, I had a crap game, and Frank Clark laid into me after the game. I mean, laid into me. I, yeah, I was 16. And the reason why is because he had, uh, Brian Clough had came to watch that game. 
And so right. I guess <laughs> he was straight up my performance um, because we're a selling club. Um, I think a month later we played a, a Coca-Cola Cup game against Sheffield Wednesday, two-legged game, and Orient, I've got to give him credit, it was brilliant. They just sold me. They, they sold me, sold me, sold me, just by the team tactics. It felt a bit weird at the time. It's like the coach, um, Frank Clark and Pete was like, well, let's play through Chris in the middle of the field, which wasn't our normal Division Four philosophy. It was like, get the ball forward, second ball, all that crap. But when we played Chef Wednesday, it was play through Chris. And I was like, this is weird. So it didn't make sense until like years later, I was like, oh, right. okay, that, that makes sense. So it, it, was, it was brilliant. Um, I think they turned down interest from Liverpool. I didn't get, they didn't even tell me that until, again, years late. But Liverpool had Jan Mulvey, Jamie Redknapp. They had a star-studded cast then. So um, I guess Frank Clark was just like, well, we're not going to send you there because you won't play. Whereas right. at Sheffield and Forest, I think they believed that I had opportunity to to play and get the team. That was my take. Just hearing you talk there, like you said, he had a go at you for having a crap game. You're 16 years old. Now, in today's game... A 16-year-old playing, I don't care whether what level or what division you're in, for someone to have a go at a 16-year-old playing in a professional man's game, that's like abuse, in my opinion. That would be abuse. Um, <laughs> you know what? But this is, I guess this is the hidden secret about what Orient did at the time, which was, I didn't think it was, a, it, was it wasn't abuse. It was simply... No, no, no. Uh, Listen, no, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> um, it was, I didn't meet the standards that I was playing at. It was just that right. simple. And they did not give me a pass. Hell no. Um, and for that, I have to say thank you to them. It didn't matter whether, I mean, there were times when I went from the youth team, played with the first team, and then they wanted me to go back to the youth team. And John Goodman was my youth team coach then. And the mental work he had to do with me, which is you've just got on a high and played with thousands of people for the first team. And now you're back going to, um, I remember it swindling away with, Coaches and a handful of parents. So it was, a big, it was like a big come down. But what he said was, you're probably not going to play well technically, but your defending and your pressurizing and your tackling has got to be on point. So I had a different kind right. of good game. And right. that level of coaching was incredible because my emotions was, went so high, but you can't help. You're going to swindle in the way on a late Orient bus that's crammed with all of you because <laughs> we're a low budget club. And you, you go to, with the youth team, and you just been with the first team where they got uniforms. On the, I mean, it was just well done to Orient. Um, but the the having to go at me, I mean, he, he was deadly right. I was I was awful. Right. Um, and I think it's part of it was just mental fatigue. Okay. Um, yeah. When you bring the first team, I mean, the the, the level of concentration, um, and also the other thing that my mum pointed out to me years later was when I was playing on Orient first team, I was walking. 10 minutes to the train, taking two trains and two buses to go and play with the first team, clean the boots, play with the first team, get showered, clean the boots, and then go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's at 16. That's at 16. That's at 16. So you're clean, I'm cleaning the boots of the players that I'm playing with. Play with. Before I go home, which keeps you, your feet on the ground for sure. Yeah, of course. But if you're playing at 16 in the first team, what age was it that you in Orient? Four, five, six years old? What age were you in Orient? Oh, I joined Orient when I was, I think if I remember it was 11. They spotted me in a local park in um, East London, um, playing for a club called Grasshoppers that I got an opportunity to play for. 
And from 11, I trained, I think it was every week, every week with Orient. There's only one week I didn't go to training because I got invited to Spurs to, they, a scout saw me playing and he wanted me to go to Spurs. And I went to Spurs to train with them for one week and I just did not like it. I okay. did not, I did not like it. So I went back to Orient and I stayed at Orient. I was like, I'm good. I don't know what. And I went by myself, obviously. And it was just a theme that I had. It was at the Tottenham Stadium. It had a big indoor AstroTurf area. And I walked in, I trained, and I'm like, no, this is not, this doesn't feel right. Did um, they like so you, though? Did they, did they like you? Did they want you, did they want you to come back? Uh, I don't know, because I just left. I didn't even talk to anybody. I just left after. <laughs> Next time I saw Spurs when I played against them in, in the youth team, <laughs> so I didn't oh. even get. I didn't, wait, I didn't even wait for feedback. Um, yeah, right. I didn't wait for feedback. I just somebody said that Orient was the place that I wanted to be, and I just stayed there. And um, it was the right decision because I got uh, I got an earlier opportunity than pretty much most of the players that I played with in the the youth team, youth national team. Um, I was already established in the first team, at Orient, and obviously quickly got transferred to Sheffield. So I was. It was the right choice. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Right back. You got next across from Piercy. Oof. This one, again, was, was difficult, but he he's an international. Um, Swedish. That should be all. Swedish. Oh. Blonde hair. Yeah. Calm, calm on the ball. Um. And had a very good Yeah, yep. Wendy, come on. I can't. Swedish. You want the letter of his first name? Yeah, go on. The letter of his first name starts with an R. Roland Nielsen. I could see him, but I was thinking, come on, Marv, what are you doing? Yep. Those are my two Roland outside, Nielsen. Like. Yeah. Roland Nielsen. I mean, yeah. what what was he? I mean, he came across um, one of not one of the first, um, not kind of one of the first young um, foreign players. But when he came across, obviously Premier League, early nineties. How did he settle in? Because um, the Scandinavians tend to be very similar to the English, anyway. Yeah, I think the the the, the easier th- the easy thing for Roland was he spoke English. I mean, that gets you settled in pretty damn quickly. Um, but yep. his nature was very um, collaborative and inclusive, which the Swedish are. Um, so he, I think he fit in like a glove and very quickly. And the way he made me feel, um, personally, the time that I spent with him was he was very knowledgeable and very approachable and easy to talk to. Um, and had a calm demeanor when he addressed anybody. Um, but his work ethic uh, was unquestionable, unquestionable. Yeah. Do you think he got there through hard work or talent or a mixture of both? You know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, I think it's it's all the above. But I think it's funny, there's the, the gap between someone making it and someone not making it is so small. It's about who your who is your role model or coach that's endorsing you. So fortunately, Orient, I had you know Jimmy Hallibone, Pete Houston, Frank Clark, John Gorman. And Pete and Pete and Pat Holland, John Gorman and Pat Holland were just phenomenal. John obviously went to work with England with Granado, or Sweden and Swindon and England. When those people are in, in your corner, you, you're gonna you're gonna have a bit of success. Other players, 
youth team managers might not be so um, encouraging. Yeah. I mean, and talking to many pros who play, who started off like at Newcastle or big clubs and didn't quite make it, they, they might not have had the words of wisdom from their coaches to inspire them to get better. And I had you know, five coaches that were absolutely phenomenal and yeah. were rare in their praise of me. Even from when I was 11, you would rarely hear them say, well done, Chris. Not because they didn't want to, it's because it was like, what was the next challenge? Like, okay, that's not bad, good. And now what? So they're always pushing and encouraging and pushing. Yeah. And do you think you obviously came from the lower, lower leagues up, uh, working your way up? Do you think that makes a difference um, in terms of work ethic and hunger compared to, with the great respect, compared to a player who comes straight out of the Arsenal, Man United youth team? And do you think there's something different about you? Um, you know what? I actually think, based on the numerous conversations I had, so I think it's the same. So when I played for England, was it under 18s when I was 16? And it was funny as you're looking at the lineup and you got players like, from Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United, and there's this guy in the end from Leighton Orient <laughs> playing against Wales. It was it was it was funny. It's like, oh, but I think what it is, if you're at a big club, your opportunity to play with the first team is much smaller than Division Four. And the flip side of it, if you're at Division Four, if you've got a great coach who's a great teacher. And encourage her, you've got a chance to make it. But if you have a coach who's not very good at teaching and giving you that encouragement, that lower league is it's it's hard to get to the top. Whereas most of the best coaches are at the bigger clubs, but the, the window yep. of opportunity to play is just smaller. So I would say the hard work is not hard work. Wouldn't, I think everybody's doing it. It's just who gets that break. Just listening to you talk there, but. I think your situation, which you was in, being a young teen in a lower league club, I don't think that would happen today because I think the money today would talk and that player would be gone. You wouldn't, as good as what you are and, you, and what you were, I feel like, especially technically, a player like similar situation, Chelsea or Liverpool or Arsenal will say like five million. And it's big money, as you know, for a small club sure. uh, likes of Leighton Orient to turn down. And I don't think that would happen again. You know, I really don't. I think, I think you're so right. And watching our, our national team, people ask me, you know, what do you think? And obviously it's really, Gareth doing a great job. Most of the players that came through the youth team, at the uh, U21s, were playing week in, week out in the first team. You know, if I remember when I think we went to Spain away. If I remember right, it was like Ian Walker was in goal, Hugo Ekiog, Sol Campbell, Stephen Frogger, um, Steve Watson in Newcastle. It was myself and Jim Redknapp, Stephen McManaman, Nicky Butt was there, and uh, Andy Cole, maybe Robbie Fowler. Yeah, and Nicky, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Nicky Barmy. Most of those players were playing right. week in, week out. Now it's not the same. So they're not getting opportunities at 17, 18, 19 to be in the team frequently, you know? So that's what's changed with our, our national setup, which is they're not getting the week-to-week -week game experience to go and then play for the national team. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I agree. 
So I'm moving across the centre backs. Um, he played for Spurs, and he was colossal. I reckon you might mention him already. I'm going to go Sol Campbell because you're going to pick an England player. That was easy. That was too easy. Sol, <laughs> big Sol Campbell. One, the next one won't be so easy. Yeah. Well, okay. But again, I mean, Sol, what, what, Sol comes across. I mean, I know he's been manager at Macclesfield and stuff and throughout his career, had a fantastic career and a controversial one for some maybe playing for both Arsenal and Spurs. But He's a quiet, a quiet person. I mean, what is he? Is, am I right in saying is that what his personality was like, or maybe he was just a little bit? I mean, larger than life, like yourself, behind <laughs> closed doors, and in when he's around his real friends. I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know him. Uh, um, I would say when he's with his friends, he's 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 actually quite funny. Um, he's actually quite funny. Um, Why'd you sound surprised about that? Well, that's actually quite funny. No, Chris is almost surprising himself by his own comments. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was laughing well, the way he said it. Yeah, because he's got a very he's got a very unusual personality because he's very he's an introvert. Right. He's an introvert, and so he won't let people in unless he trusts. And that's fair, mm. but he's he's quite a character. I mean, he really is. Um, just, you know, in my time of like, playing against him, he was obviously a wonderful player. But I remember once going to his house and and he lived in Hartford, Hertfordshire, not far from where my mum lives. And I visited him at his house and he, he's surrounded by Arsenal fans, Spurs fans. And I'm like, oh, dear, my, my friend, you're in the mix of this, aren't you? Um, and I remember going to his house going, oh, this is this is beautiful. Oh, my God. And I, and I remember trying to steal one of his FA Cup shirts that was there. I was like, oh, I'll take this. He's like, no. I'm like, well, it's just lying around in the house. You can leave things lying around, you know, find his keepers. I wouldn't take it in the end. Um, just having fun with him. But he was, he was, um, he was a fun character. I actually got a, a funny, a silly story, which was I was driving through central London in a car, in a, in a Golf GTI, and I got pulled over by the police for not having um, the tax, which I didn't know. I, was, I borrowed the car. And the police arrested me. Yeah, they arrested me because they, they did. So they put me in the back of their car. But here's what was funny. When I got in the back of the police car, I went into the, the boot of the car and took out my three Louis Vuitton suit carriers or whatever bags and put them in the back of the police car. So they were arresting me thinking that I stole in this car. You know? But you would look at me and go, well, he's taken three Louis Vuitton bags out of yeah. the back of the car. We stole it. Would I? Would I really steal these and take it with me? That would just be anyway. Yeah, no, right. It took me to the police station, and the I guess it was a sergeant, whoever it was. He, I guess he was trying to get my details. So he's like, name. I was like, Chris. Last name Bart Williams. He goes, name. I mean, Chris. <laughs> Last name Bart Williams. He put his pen down. Went, okay, listen, wise guy. Just give me your name. <laughs> So I was like, Chris, Bart Williams. Anyway, lock him up. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you trying to wait? I don't know if he's winding me up now. I don't know if he's winding me up now, Andrew. I don't know if he's... Look, is he? I think he's like jokes. I I'm wondering how this is linked to Sol Campbell. <laughs> well, the problem is, I told him that it wasn't my car. 
They didn't believe me. But eventually they contacted Gasol and I had the same agent. And they contacted him and goes, it is so car, it is Sol's car. It, I got it from Sol's house, obviously, but it was because it was a right. Golf GTI. They didn't think Sol Campbell would drive a Golf GTI. But it was Sol's car. So my agent told the police, you might want to let him go. <laughs> so the police apologized and let me go. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, when you're going, <laughs> Chris Bart Williams. So I, know, he, so I, thought he, I thought he knew who Chris Bart Williams was. That's why, he, and he didn't believe me. So that's that's why I thought, well, he didn't. He, he didn't. But one of the other. So when I got taken out of the cell and taken back to the sergeant, and I think now they're trying to he, the sergeant trying to book actually book me. One of the officers came in and went, Sarge, Sarge, Sarge. There's been a big misunderstanding. So what's happened is, is the car belongs to Sol Campbell, but it's registered through his agent. And Mr. Bart Williams here was borrowing the car and obviously the tax is invalid. So it's like, oh, and so the officer was like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. And the female officer, I've got to be honest, it was, it was so much fun. She was like, oh my God, I didn't, like, she, she it just didn't recognize me, but she was really nice to me after. <laughs> <laughs> <Boy. It was laughs> gotta love it, gotta love it. No, you gotta love it, it was yeah. Next to salt. Next to salt. We got. Let's get back to sorry, fault. Sorry, no, no, no. It's all good. All good. Next to Sol Campbell. You reckon we won't get this? This is this this is, which is um, he's a legend in his own right, and he played for Manchester United and Arsenal. Oh, got it. No. Manchester United and Arsenal. The only person I know play for both. He's not English. No, he's not English, though. I'll give you another clue, man. He's English. Oh, I was going to go. The only person I can think of defenders, Mikel Silvestro, who play for both. No, and he's English. He played for Arsenal and Manchester United in addition. And he definitely was the first. He was the first. Yes. Did he play for Chippewa Wednesday as well? Yes, he did. Go on, Marv. Is it Viv Anderson? It is. <laughs> Get in there. Hit him. Look at him. He's finally got one. <laughs> I, I, was ha- I was happy. When he said Manchester United and Arsenal, he said it's been difficult. I thought, straight away, I thought about Viv Anderson and then I spot Chippewa Wednesday as well. No, that's why Viv. What a class act! Um, the things that he achieved even before he got to Sheffield Wednesday. When I met, and so I had the privilege when I arrived at Sheffield Wednesday. That's who. I, that's who they put me next to. <laughs> His first words were, "What the f in hell are you wearing?" Because the generation gap was big, um, and. Um, he took me under his wing in, in, in many ways and I would watch him constantly and he was just a, a true professional. I mean, he was good. I mean, he was really good towards the twilight of his, of his career, but you could see in his decision-making why he achieved the things he did. Just, yeah. just brilliant, just brilliant. Because were you, when you joined, um, what year did you join Wednesday? Uh, let's see, 92, look at that, 90, 95? Yeah. yeah, about yeah. That's what I thought it would be. So, so Wednesday were in that really awkward kind of moment, weren't they? Um, 
where they were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Trevor Francis has just taken over. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Trevor Francis just taken over. Um, obviously, you got in there. They're in that kind of awkward moment, and David Pleat took over a little bit, little while after that as well, didn't he? I think so. Um, what was it like around around there at that time? Of course, Viv Anderson being one of the seniors, was it a bit strange knowing the fact there was an old guard going out with obviously people like Des Walker leaving and people like that? So when I arrived, there was actually a buzz in the Sheffield's Sheffield's change room. Um, and if I'm right, we went on like a, quite a run when I first got in the team because my first game was against Arsenal at Sheffield. Um, there was a buzz. I mean, the players, were, I mean, it was a great squad. I mean, training was, it was hard because of the, the players you're playing against and with. There was, there was no mercy. In any, any game, there was no mercy. So you knew you were a place where the standard was high. Trevor was it was interesting Trevor because Trevor I saw Trevor as a manager but he then would train and play with us so it was a bit weird because he's know? a player manager wanted to start with you're the player manager and yeah. it's like you don't want to kick the manager because otherwise you won't play but the older pro would kick the manager and they didn't care but as a young pro you're like no you're not going to do that are you <laughs> <laughs> but Trevor Trevor when he played the his his finishing ability was Absolutely scary. I mean, yeah. how he hit the target so frequently um, was just phenomenal, phenomenal. But it was it was it was very challenging because Trevor understood exactly what I was going through because he went through things similar to it, to myself. But at the same time, the club and Trevor um, paid me the the highest respect because I didn't stay in digs. I got to stay in a hotel and they get my own place because I, I was raised as an independent young man, so I could look after myself. So allowing me to make that decision was was a lot of trust that he gave me. And um, it was very helpful to my to my success on the field, being able to be independent and not having to stay at someone else's home and feeling a little bit awkward. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, uh, I sorry, Mark. To, um, sorry, yeah, to go back to Viv, like you, uh, you said, he was, he was a first. And I mean, he, for myself, I made my debut in 88. So, I mean, I don't know what it was like for Viv at the time being one of the first only black players been in the round playing in the game. For me, I think you was like early 90s, Orient, you come in. I mean, my personality is like, I mean, I'm quite laid back. And so I did, it didn't, it didn't really, it doesn't really affect me as much as I think it does to some players today. But and I think maybe you've got a similar personality to me. I was just interested to know what your like feelings were and how you dealt with the like racial abuse stuff when you was like playing. Uh, to me, uh, unfortunately, to me, it was some of the comments were just actually quite hilarious. But I had to, I, I put it in the box of. They just want to win so badly, they'll say anything and just yeah. kept it in that context. Are you talking um, about players or fans? Fans. Or both? Fans. Yeah, fans. Especially, you know, there's certain places going like Millwall. But some of the Millwall yeah. comments, I've got to be honest, were priceless. I mean, I they were... So if you keep it in a healthy place, you realise they, you know, I think the Millwall fans, especially like Millwall fans, certain fans, not all Millwall fans, excuse me, forgive me. Um, like they just want, they want the team to win and they'll say or do anything they can. And Correct. I left it in that box. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm in a total agreement. I mean, again, I mean, a lot of people's like 
ask me to comment and speak about it. And I say, well, really, just the fact that, that if you focus too much on it, you're just giving it more energy. So did Viv take you under his wing then in terms of obviously working as, uh, coming in as one of the first, obviously, um, he was, one, like Miles said, one of the first black, um, one of the first black players to play in England. Did he give you some advice from that perspective as well, how to handle it? Um, or had you already been kind of gone through that, that lessons and those lessons at Orient? I, I already gone through the lessons grow, growing up, so I was prepared. Um, Viv just gave sound, sound advice based on what he was seeing that I possibly was going through. Um, but so did a lot of the pros there. I mean, they all had very varied personalities and interests, but it was, it was a fantastic dressing room because it was just so, so in-depth of experience and wealth of talent as well. Yeah. So you really couldn't go wrong. Without that, Chef Wednesday was great. Yeah. No, I agree. So what we'll do is we're going to pause it there. Um, and when we come back uh, for the second half, we will hear the rest of Chris Bart Williams' My Best 11. Thank you for listening to My Best 11 Pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at My Best 11 Pod or my best living pod at gmail.com thank you so welcome back for part two of my best 11 so far for chris bart williams we have in goal chris woods stuart pierce a left back roland nielsen right back and his center back pairing is sol campbell and viv anderson uh, as chris said earlier on he's going to play a diamond in midfield so we'll start off maybe with the holder um you hold in midfield chris um, he played for Liverpool and he had a celebrity wife. Mr. Raimi Redknapp. Yes, it is. Yes. The celebrity wife gave it away. It did. But you, well, you did mention it earlier on, I think, because you went through that team, didn't you? Uh, that, 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 uh, yeah, in Spain. Yeah, damn it. sort of thing. But, My um, apologies. No, 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 no. But yes, um, a very good, talented player who, like you said, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, was had a, a great shot on him. Not I mean apart from everything else, we had a range of passing and technical ability. And I mean, a little bit similar. I mean, Bournemouth, where he started with his dad, coming from yeah. maybe a lower league club and yeah. proving himself, and then eventually getting that move. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, to, obviously to Liverpool, and then and then um, still seen as as a real cult figure as well at Tottenham, um, which a lot of people forget you played at Tottenham for a long while. Uh, yeah, but as you about to say, very, very unlucky with injuries. Uh, very unlucky with injuries, I think. And, and talking earlier, just before we, we were recording, but we were saying about yourself, um, your position, like you played maybe um, a holding, maybe um, as a 10 attacking. You even played as a sweeper, um, I believe, when, sure. was that Forrest? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I, I mean, technically very, very gifted. And like I said to you, in today's market, you'd probably be a wonder kid, like hitting the, in the, um, the teens and like nowadays. But where would you say, in your opinion, would be your favourite position to play? So I would say it's probably the 10 because um, if you play the six, you obviously have to be good on the ball and it's, and you've got to be able to tackle. You've got to be able to go box to box and cover a lot of ground. You know, like 
Patrick Vieira, Petit, those kind of players. Um, but for me, the 10 was probably the best position because um, of my movement and using my technical abilities to elude or create. Um, so when at times when I played as a striker for Forest, I was a striker, but I was playing off as a striker. Um, right. And so by doing that, I created a lot of problems for opposing teams. Um, so I, I would say probably the 10 would have been my best position. Um, and scoring goals was mattered. That was one thing at Sheffield Wednesday, you told me after, after my first year, which was you have to be a midfielder that scores goals. Um, you can't just be um, an assist player or a creative player. Scoring goals has got to be part of the your resume. So I remember the following year, I think I got nine, then the following year I got 10, and then the following year I got 12, I think, if I remember rightly. Was you a top goal scorer somewhere, one? I it was, it was, top was goal. in the championship, yeah, when I was playing sweeper. Um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking, I was Franz Beckenbauer himself. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was bizarre. It really was. It was, um, but it was hard for for David Platt because we had such a a young team. He did not know where to piece me, and right. you know that's the, the key. Which is they try to move sometimes technical players to places just to fit in, where you really should probably look at it and go, well, let me build around him. Um, and Correct. that's where Dave Bassett was, I got to give him credit, was genius because when I arrived, I was playing centre mid, but then he asked me to play left midfield um, and have young Alan Rodgers who had just signed, who was quick as hell. So he was basing my legs. So he'd run past me, bomb on, and I would play him in and it was it was a dual threat. And then I could also hit the ball across the field to Steve Stone. So we were we were balanced. So Harry, Harry had that vision, but David didn't have the same talent pool, but he just didn't know where to play me because we had deficiency in defence. We had deficiency in midfield. Um, we weren't scoring enough goals. So it was, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Okay. So, so you said that you prefer your best positions, number 10. Um, what, what would Jamie Redknapp do then? Because obviously Jamie Redknapp then would sit as the six. What would he do? Um, and what was it about him that enabled you to, to play as a number 10? Because playing with Jamie, um, he always wants the ball. And that's what you want your six to do. Always want the ball. And he has short-range game. He has a long-range game. And he's, he's got a tremendous strike. So, again, even as a six, he could bring goals to the table. But it's, I think it's the players that I've got around him, um, as you're about to see, is why I think he would be very successful in that role. Yeah, and he comes across okay. on TV as well quite a lot as being a bit of a bit of a comical bloke. Somebody who doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, so somebody personality-wise that would click quite nicely in your in your setting of um, people you mentioned um, yeah. already, and your own personality as well. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so moving on to your right or left um, um, of your diamond. This is easy. Um, he played at Liverpool and Real Madrid. McManaman. McManaman. Yep. He'll be on the left end of my diamond. I would say McManaman is probably one of the most underrated players of our of in terms of he never got the plaudits compared to somebody like a Scholes or a Beckham or but he was if you look back, I reckon the past 25 years, he's probably the most successful Englishman to go abroad. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree. I agree in that. I mean, I think at the time, what he was doing, he was, I mean, literally running games for Liverpool at a young age. I mean, that was just something which 
I think the way he came through and Liverpool used to bring players through, it was a little bit of the norm for Liverpool to have someone like affect a team like that because they were renowned for doing it. But like you just said, I think the longer we go now and the longer the seasons go and we now start looking back at successful British players abroad, not only abroad, but also here, McManaman's name will definitely be one of the one of the top, if not one of the top three, in my opinion. I, he was a fantastic player. He, he, he really was. And I think he had a lot of criticism because it was, why can you play like this for Liverpool, but not your country? And the answer was pretty easy, which is, He's, the players he's playing with nationally are different from your club. And the freedom he had for the club, or he felt for his club, he didn't always get when he played for the first team. Because we weren't exactly a possession-orientated team through the 80s and 90s. Like, we weren't that kind of country. We were press, 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 run, 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 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, we weren't like the European games where, you know, when we are playing... Portugal or Spain, where they were tiki 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 tiki, and it was patient and strategic. Um, and then when you play against Eastern European teams, I remember, my goodness, um, it was they defended deep and they were on a counter attack, they were just gone to the other goal. So we did not necessarily have a place like we just picked the best 11 and it's like, all right, no, this is what we But now I think we're trying to get a more definitive style of playing and you're trying to fit the players into the style that Gareth wants. But we just didn't have a philosophy back then. And that, and that comes from my experience of computing. It wasn't, it just it wasn't a possession-orientated um, philosophy. And I remember going to the World Cup in Australia and Dave Burstick was a fantastic coach, but he wanted long balls, long balls. And I'm like, oh no, I grew up on playing possession. Um, even yeah. the Orient, you know, and Chef Wednesday, keep ball on the ground. And we just didn't play like that. Just, so, if you keep thinking that in mind, of course, people like Steve McManaman aren't going to be very successful if we're playing that kind of um, football. Whereas at Real Madrid, Liverpool, kind of the similar kind of <laughs> playing style. So that's why I think he shined there. Yeah. How, how did going back to what you just said? How did that work then? Like you said, you just—I mean, going back to you saying he was a good coach, but he was used to playing long balls, and he was came through Orient playing short passing and stuff. How did you find that? Um, but because I mean, I didn't get, I didn't play for England. I went for England trials, but I know that that was the way they played. And I was at Luton. I can continue to pass the ball. I mean, if they're going to take me, in my opinion, it was going to be because of what I could do and how I played. I wasn't sure. going to play long and direct because I knew that's what they wanted to do. I mean, some people would be saying, "Well, you're a bit of an idiot, Mar, because you you might have missed up an opportunity to play for your country," but. If I'm going to be picked for my country, I want to be picked for what I could do, not just do the certain things, if that makes sense. It does. Um, like I said, his, his knowledge, was, Dave's knowledge was... Unspe- and I had some good under-training there. Dave Bernstein, I had Kevin Keegan for a spell. Um, we had some good managers. It's just, it was really hard in the time that we spent together to come up with a, a, a playing style. In the, sometimes I think we had three, four days together. And right. every, everyone came from different, so it was, it was just hard. Um, for, yeah, because you just wouldn't touch the ball a lot. And, and other teams you're playing would keep the ball for longer spells. But we, 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 at times we had success, but it's just very difficult. It was, it was really difficult. 
Yeah. And, and you stay at Manimum. So he came, he now obviously does a lot of punditry. Um, do you, did you, did you see him as a coach or going into coaching? Um, or do you think he'd have gone into punditry? What, what's your, and that, cause obviously you can tell somebody's personality type as well from that. I actually thought he was going to be a manager. I did. I would, I would, I would love to see him manage. I think he, what he brings to the table, um, is an awful lot of experience and, and talent. Um, it's funny, here in the US, if you can coach in the US, you can coach anywhere in the world. I, I, it's, 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 I say this to people all the time, you, ha- you have to come with I mean, if you can coach here, you can go back to England or Europe and you, 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 you're pretty much, because of all the things you have to learn here in the US and the things you got to do, Steve can do that. I think he can, he can absolutely be a great manager. Um, there's something about his personality that players could buy into. Yeah. Uh, and he's been there, done everything. Um, <clears throat> as we said earlier. So, Steve's on the left. Who's on the right? Um, he played for Manchester United. Very good midfield player. Um, wasn't always a, a start for Manchester United, but was a very reliable player. Never let them down. I think I've got it, but I'm not sure... Andy, do you know? Played on the right-hand I mean, side. Yeah, because I wouldn't really necessarily put him on the right-hand side if the player I'm thinking... I know if I'm thinking for Man United, I would put him more as a holding, I would have put, but I could be other totally different. I think you've got the right person. Really? All right, then I'm going to say his name. Nicky Butt. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, the right-hand side totally stuffed me then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Nick- Nicky was a centre midfield player, but he was so athletic, he gets around the field. And with yeah. Diamond, let's say that you're yeah, playing true. You're, not playing wide, you're not playing wide right per se, you just on the right side of Diamond. Um, Do you think Nicky Butt provides you enough creativity, or have I misunderstood him as a player? Um, I think Nicky had more talent than people realise. Yep. Um, or, or more talent than he was allowed to show on the pitch. Or did shot, yeah. Of what I saw in, in our training sessions and stuff, I mean, he was fantastic. Paul Scholes is a technical genius. There's no getting around it. Yeah. Um, Nicky was talented. Um, again, each man turned on, but he would... To me, put him on the right hand side, it's setting him free. Because right. he, he can attack, he can defend, he can... Pre- I mean, he, there's a lot of things he brings to the table. Um, and, that, and also he can... That's why I said by him playing there, he was also playing me at the at the six. So the, the interchange of positions would allow them to switch in the, in the kind of play. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And also he had a bit of success at United, and then went on to Newcastle as well, and Great. spent a lot of time up in the up in the tune. Um, a player who you haven't picked in that um, that I'm intrigued by is Steve Stone, who you mentioned him earlier on. Yes. Um, who obviously played a big part in Euro '96. Um, yep. before obviously he went to Forest. So I'm quite intrigued by that, um, leaving Steve Stone out, who I've heard a lot of people say a lot of good things about. He, he was phenomenal. There's no getting right. If I was playing 4 4 2, yeah, definitely. I think, again, it's what system do you like? You want to play, play You want play square peg, square holes. Right, right, right. It's, it's, I, could I play Steve in that? I could, but that's not what he was at his best. When he was wide, he was just, just dangerous. So, yes. He was phenomenal. There's no getting yeah. around. Yeah. And I assume as well that goes the same with what most people probably think is, looking back throughout your history, 
um, earlier on today. And technically, I would guess probably the most technically gifted player you play with is Chris Waddle. Um, but again, sits on the left-hand side. Okay. Yep, that's okay. true. I think most gifted, definitely. I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> that means I've preempted something. Yes, so, you have. attacking midfielder. You told me not to do that. <laughs> so, let's see. But he's on the left wing. He plays on the left wing. Who plays on the Andrew? Who plays on the left wing? The person who Chris is about to say has his number ten. <laughs> well, not, not well. Again, I mean, not necessarily. I didn't think. I thought he, he played anywhere. He could float. He played anywhere. I thought he could. In my so, opinion. Uh, Chris played on the right hand side and always cut in. Um, Maka always played on the left hand side and cut in. So I've got Maka on the left of the diamond, Nicky Button the right of the diamond, and then I put Chris Waddle at the ten because Chris is best set free to go wherever he wants. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, the 10 really needs to do that um, to find the ball or also create space for you two strikers, which is going to be interesting to see whether you can figure those out. Yeah. And I think, and I think like when he obviously came onto the scene, Newcastle and Tottenham and then went to Marseille, he was young, he was playing on the wing, but as he got older and, and as with most things, but we, our legs start to go a little bit, but our brain is still very, very sharp. And right. for me, he had the days at Bradford and, um, Chris and he was still dictating games, but from that central position where you like you're saying he's he's free, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't give him defensive responsibilities. <laughs> and apparently, he was a very, very. We had um, Andy Kwamiron who who was so so complimentary about him, but also said he was a very very funny guy as well to have around a dressing room. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. That's funny, Jordan. That's <laughs> what do you mean these nuts? What Zinc kind of going out? Or do you mean nights out or around the dressing room? The Geordies are nuts, but I love them. They are absolutely nuts. There's no get around it. Playing with them, their humour, the crazy things they do. You just look at them going, really? <laughs> Every single one of them. They're just wonderful, but man, they're good for a dressing room. They really are. <laughs> that's, that's true. But he was a very, he was a friendly guy. Um, uh, did he? How did he kind of take you? Obviously, you playing number ten then um, at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, did he take you under his wing? And, and what type of things did he teach you um, when you obviously because when you were there? Wadler, Wadler was always to, always talking to people. Young, old, I mean, he was very accessible. But it's what he taught you as he was playing, his decision-making. Um, it was just genius at times, the things that he could do with the ball. And no matter what you thought, that you could get the ball off him, you really couldn't. It's a case of when he wanted to give it up. Um, so a lot of his teachers were actually on the field or at training. Um, and he and one thing about Waddle, which maybe people haven't got across, was he was demanding as hell game day. Right. Oh my god, perfectionist. I mean, yeah. hate you hate when you give the ball away, but that to me is a sign of a world class player that's got such high demands. It's just whether players are willing to um, meet those demands or whether they shy away from it. 
but he was demanding. Yeah, and and rightly so. Yes, um, absolutely. Because of the quality, because of the quality he had. Okay, Great. so moving on to the strikers. Strikers. You played for England. Um, he had a magnificent left foot, and his head in the ability was outrageous. It and his what was the last clue? His his head and ability was outrageous. Really? Okay. Go on, Andrew. Stan Collymore. No! I No, I mean, I wasn't going to say him, but... Um, what was wrong with that the... guess? He played for England. Uh, yep. Yeah, he no, did. no. Stan Collymore's got a good left foot. What was wrong with my guess? I didn't play, I didn't play with Stan. Didn't you? Didn't Forrest. Yeah, but he left... He, Stan and Roy Keane left just before I got there. Ah, oh, okay. Sorry. Right. right. Got him, Muff. Did, did he did he did he play for Liverpool? No. Okay, head in the got, But you know what? I, you know what? I've got to be honest, that guess was damn. He let's just say <laughs> that guess would be it's, in my starting eleven, but for the player that I've got him next to. So I've got two people together and I would have right. picked him. I would have picked him. Okay, okay, okay. When you see the next person, you're going to understand why. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. He played for who? Man United, you said. No, no, he played. No, I didn't say Man United. He didn't say his team. He didn't say. He said England. He said England. Okay. Great left foot. And his head ability was unquestioned. And you know what? I'm going to give you a bit more clue. Darren Ben. No, 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 not quite. He played at Ipswich. No, but you're changing. Andy, you're changing. Andy your Cormier had him more. too. Sorry, Andy Cormier had him too. Oh, Andy Cormier. See, look, Andy's got them written down now. A bit of paper's going back through all the. <laughs> 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 all right, um, but I was laughing at Andy's last comment because he's chasing the Stan Collimore. Um, <laughs> thing, and I was like, oh, damn, Ben! He's, he's chasing after it now. He's going after it. I, I'm, I'm you're gonna kick yourself. Hold on, I gotta think. I gotta think. I'm trying to think. Striker, left foot, great heading ability. Um, played for his country um, a number of times, but not frequently. Um, the next hit I give you it. Most of his issues were injuries. Oh, did you play with him, Sheffield Wednesday? I did. Yes. Oh. David Hurst. Yes. David Hurst. David Hurst. Player. Yes. Player. David Hurst. Oh. Uh, yeah. 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 He yeah. Was so, yeah, he was really good. He was really good. Um, again, just, you have to see it to believe it. So, you know what? I think that's something, when you see people, not so much in games, in training on a regular basis, I think fans should see a straight. You just see these phenomenal things that these players do that you're just like, wow. You know, so it's... But Percy was was very special. Very special. He, like you said, his, his injuries obviously hindered him. I mean, his knee. But, like, he did really have more or less everything. Because, like you said, his left foot was like a yep. wand. His head ability was, was great. He had pace as well, right? Yep. Aggression. I mean... And his, I, I, yeah. Very good. There yeah. was like um, 
was there a, someone said there was a bid like of a fax what went through to shit went from Man United it didn't go through or something correct yeah. there was yeah. a story yeah. of something like that like, like right. yeah so he was a definitely a top class player I mean yeah. which failing his injuries probably would have gone on and been like up there mm-hmm. as one of the greats for what, what was his strength what would you say as, his, as a number 10 obviously feeding into him to a certain extent what what did he what did you look for? Was it to his chest? Was it to his head? Or was it to his feet? Or it didn't matter. That's what that's why he was so yeah. good. Um, yeah. He played to his feet. He was technically solid, um, highly technical, but it was also deceptive. But then he had this phenomenal finishing ability, where he could literally create a goal for himself by himself, or you can use him as a traditional nine at the back stick, and then boom. There's a header at the far post going to the near post. I mean, it was just he had he really did have it all. He did, to be honest. Yeah. That's no, very maybe underrated. Maybe that's why we didn't think of him. Maybe that's why I was stuck on Stan Collingmore. Um, no, I think it's his injuries. It's his injuries. Because he didn't, I mean, I don't know how many games he played, but he didn't feature as as much as he would have liked to have supposed well, to and also injuries. he was around in that era, wasn't he, when you had Fowler, Ian Wright. Yep. Shearer was coming on the scene, Sheringham. So it was that kind of era, wasn't it, where there was a lot of a lot of the abundance of strikers, absolute yep. abundance of strikers. So moving on to right. next, next to David Hurst is uh, he is a legend at Arsenal. Kevin Campbell. Yeah. No. I, I, what? No. What's, it's not Kevin. It's not. Oh. I know. But he's also he he was actually he's also next to he was next to David Hurst just so you go. But yeah. Right. But go ahead. Oh. I'm and you you know what? You probably aren't going to get this one because it was just he, I played with him for a very short time, but I did play with him. I love a challenge. Right. Okay. <laughs> He's a legend at Arsenal. Oh yeah. I'm, so you've got if you've got someone like Hurst, you're going to need someone a little bit more dynamic. Um, Paul Merson. You know what? That's a very good guess, but no. But you are you are warm. You are warm. As a striker. Striker. Ian Wright. But yes. Yeah. Oh, you done well. Came, came to Forest for a brief spell before then, I think, went to Celtic. Yes, he did. Yep. He did. But if I had to pick Ian, I would have picked Robbie. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Well done, Andrew. Well well dug out there. I mean, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have got that. Oh, I just worked out who's who's a legend, Omri, that has to be Ian Wright. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's true. I've... Well, I forgot he went to Forest. Yeah, he did go to Forest. Jeez, yeah. he went but around the houses a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. righty, 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 righty. What more can you say? Poacher, finisher, personality. I mean, I played against him when he was at, even when he was at Palace. I mean, him and Mark Bright terrorized me as a. <laughs> I think I was nineteen, twenty. Um, Four-one. I think Brighty got a hat trick, and Wrighty got the other goal. Literally, like and. You know what? The the saving grace part is that 
I remember looking back now, I look at it, I was 19 playing in like the old like Premier League first division. They went, they were in the second division then and came up that season. They went on and did that for many years to experience centre-halves. <laughs> and that's the way I look at it. <laughs> so, you know what? I, I, I was 19. The, the, the goals he was scoring, he was chipping over, like, Neville Southall, lifting the ball over, like, Matty Jackson at Everton, left and right foot, and then lobbing it into the... I mean... Yeah. I was just they looking, thinking, well... They, they terrorise a lot of, lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, he goes. He was a finisher. He could have all finishes, didn't he? He had all like tappings, like chips, um, long shots. I mean, heads. I mean, I mean, you I had him know. coming towards the end of his career. Was he still getting about a bit, or was he very much by then a fox in the box? Um, you know, he still had. Listen, you can't take away that level of talent. Um, ah, he, he, obviously, he wasn't prolific as he was at Arsenal, but. You could see why. I think when you see players at the twilight, you can see why they accomplish certain things. Um, but, but based on what he did at Arsenal, is why I picked him um, ahead of Robbie and obviously you know David and Kev. But yeah, he was he he was something special. He was something special. And I wasn't yeah. at my this when he was at Forest, so I was coming back from injury, so we just didn't get enough time together. But. I was when he when he signed. I was I was excited because I was like, here's someone I can create goals for. Yeah, and I mean, you you obviously yourself, your career kind of obviously um, kind of went to a few clubs at the end of your career. Um, is it something where you you feel like Wrighty was brought in to not train but nurture some of these youngsters coming through, or do you think Wrighty was brought in purely to score goals because you needed goals, or was it a mixture of both? Do you know what I mean? It's probably a mixture of both, but I would say that it was more, we need the goals. Yeah. We need goals. Um, it's looking... Have you seen that case, though, where you're, where players are brought in yeah. for their experience to be yes. in the dressing room, so to, to, they can see a great crop coming through. We just need somebody to help them. Correct. And it's if you bring the right person in and if that person fits into the group or put, gets himself aligned with the group, um, and to get the buy-in. It's, it's all about buy-in. Um, generally, your senior pros or the emotional leaders, if they buy into the manager's um, beliefs, you, you're going to be you're going to be successful because he convinces others to buy into it. Um, so, yeah, I've seen that, that happen several times. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you've got Ian right up front with David Hurst. We move on to manager. This is the one. This so is, I don't know if Marv's told you. Who is the best manager you've ever played under? And it could be like, um, it doesn't have to be a manager, manager. It could be maybe a youth team coach. I know you spoke yeah. quite fondly of quite a few people. It could be anyone like John Gorman, Holland, or anyone like that who you felt is um, been quite... Um, like important to you throughout your career to manage this as well. This this group of you've set together yeah. eleven. Yeah, that was the hardest thing for me because, um, you know, David David Platt was fantastic in my short time with him. Um, Kevin Keegan in twenty ones was as bubbly as you expect Kevin Keegan to be. Um, Dave Bassett was fantastic. I have 
I can't tell you how grateful I am to that man because uh, he's got a lot of courage. He's a very wise man and uh, I can see why these players like him. He, he's just, do your job and he's, a, he's quite a character and a fun man to be around. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to be really selfish because I can't pick one because they all did it. I would just have to say it was between Pat Holland, John O'Gorman, Frank Clark and Pete Eustace because of all that Orient coaching staff did it all. Right. Um, they can manage that group, especially John Gorman. Right. We've <laughs> 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 got man, he's not little in any shape or form. That man is something, something special. Um, but I would say if I had to lean to it, it would probably be John Gorman just because he had been at a critical stage of my development after Pat Holland left. But he definitely was the one pushing to me to go to the first team, but at the same time was trying to hold me back and keep me in the youth team. Right. So I, I, I would I'll probably lean towards John Gorman. Perfect. Fantastic. And um, for those people who don't know uh, where you are at the moment, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, just finishing off, is um, you're across in the States. Just give a bit of a summary of what you're up to these days. So, um, I've, yeah, I've been in Miami now, what, eight years and the States 13 years. So I have my own um, recruiting company and soccer, soccer, we call it soccer here, soccer club. I know. I know. It's, it's yeah, I, 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 keep, I keep, I mean, I'm coaching here and I say football and they go, and then when they look at me, I go, it's, it is football, girls. I said, not, not, not soccer. I said, soccer. the football, what you talk about, like, yeah. it's with your feet. We play with the feet. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I 100% agree with you. I just set up a WhatsApp group for my son's uh, soccer team and I got told by the head of the club to change it because I put FC and that's changed it to SC. And I was kind of, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> it's just natural. I can't help but yeah. do it. Sorry. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Yes, yes the soccer. Said, I've, got, <laughs> I've, said, I've got my own recruiting company that helps kids um, abroad or here in the States go to colleges or to maybe clubs. And then I have my youth youth club that is um, basically gets them identified for again colleges or, or higher levels. So I'm all into the development model. Fantastic. What's the name of that youth club? CBW Soccer Club. Fantastic. Yeah. And if they, are that, do they, do you take anybody on or is it just around certain areas? Um, no, I take anybody on. Um, you got you got to meet a certain criteria, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely been very enjoyable teaching young men who have ambitions and aspirations to play at a different level. Um, and it's been really fun for me because I'm watching these kids play. I'm going, I know what's going to happen next because <laughs> we've been there and done it. <laughs> 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 these American kids like, how do you know that was going to happen? I'm like, you have yeah. no idea. It's no yeah. different. To- <laughs> So different to parenting, which is the, your, the parents know exactly how this is going to play out. You know, so it's right. kind of the same thing. It's kind of fun, but um, it, I've definitely embraced um, my team overplays, which is so Sheffield Wednesday and Forest. They overplay, right. overplay, but it's it's fun to watch. Um, right, they try and keep the ball on the ground and play to the the, the image as I, I was coached and the philosophy. So it's it's been a lot of fun. But it's so it's so refreshing being like being over here as well in America as well. Like I'm exactly the same. To, to hear you say that, I mean, again, I'm, I'm sure it was the same for you. When I you've been here longer than I. When I first come over, it was a case where the parents are like, "Well, are we going to win? Are we going to win?" And I'm like, 
it's not it's not all about when I'm and so it, as the years gone by now I've been here seven years they've slightly sort of like tend to see it from my point of view now and I said well look you mean it's not cheap what you're paying for the service I said would you not like to have like some value for your money that like in maybe a year or two years time that you look from when I like encountered your child that they've made a big improvement in development wise when they go and leave to go to play in college which hopefully some of you if that's what they want to do you're not going to remember them winning some little <laughs> cup or whatever but you they've, they've improved and so it's, it's great to hear you because I'm similar my teams overplay I know they overplay and I and I and I tell them that it's not necessarily going to be the way if you're going to go to college how you would want to the, the coach would want you to play but at least I feel that I'm setting you up the correct way because you will be able to do both. Because if you want to kick it long, right, you'll be able to do that because technically you you have the ability to do that. But if you just, if I just teach you to just to kick it long all the time and you try and go to a college where they want to play, you're going to struggle. So mm -hmm. I said, at least the way I'm trying to teach you, you can be able to do both. So it's okay. great to hear you say about how they overplay. It's funny. I might mind do. My, I sometimes I say to my goalkeeper, "Don't if you punt that ball, don't, do not punt, <laughs> punt, punt, do not punt that ball." And it's funny, they, and the parents start laughing now because they, they, all, they all know what I mean. I mean, flick your feet. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so ironic because last night um, at practice, I actually had the parents on the field watching me coach the field, not on the sidelines, on the right. field. Oh, so really? I do, I do it every year where I put the parents on the field and they hear my instructions, see how I teach, what I'm teaching, why I teach. And as this training session going on, they get to ask questions real time. Okay. Real time. It's, the, it's the best way to educate the parents as to why I'm teaching, because they can get asked, like, why don't you do it this way, coach? Well, let's see. And I put it into practice. And so last night, I think my parents went home and those kids got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> they got yelled at because we were, we were working on defending um, and all I was asking the kids to do was pressure the ball and get your arm up, get your arm on the, the, the attacker's chest. Don't win the ball, just, this. that's the only instruction, put your left or right arm onto the attacker's yeah. chest. Well, only one kid did it out of 18. So all the other parents were pissed at their kids because they can hear my instructions. Yeah. I usually demonstrated. Right. I encouraged and then I sat back. And so I saw mums that are literally going to, they were going to kill those kids in the car. <laughs> you can't put your left hand on another kid. Really? <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. So by doing that, I don't have to worry about those things because parents now understand my accountability as a coach and what right. the kids. That's why I said, if you can go to America, you can go to anywhere in the world, because you've got to deal with parents. Correct. Parents are dealing with players. They've got different, you know, um, incomes. And, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. But it is a lot of fun. But thankfully, because we're in the East Coast and certainly living in Miami, you've got enough downtime to enjoy life here, so it puts all the things in perspective. That is true. I'm glad you're no, enjoying definitely. it. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Fantastic. Um, and that was lovely to hear um, and lovely to hear your stories and lovely to hear um, your team. And that was Chris Bart Williams, My Best 11. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. Thank you.